As you know, we've been talking about the reality that you and I are, are the wells of God, His supernatural power, His deposit, His Holy Spirit is in us. And as we live our lives, uh, that flows into other lives and touches them spiritually, physically, mentally, and emotionally. Aren't you glad the Holy Ghost lives in you? Aren't you glad you're a Holy Ghost church? I am. And we're learning the reality of how to walk in that, but what happens when your well runs dry? What happens when there's not the content in that well that needs to be there? And I can tell you from time to time, you might experience this, where you're living your life, you're serving God, and you feel kind of burned out and dry, but how many know we don't have to stay that way? So I want to talk to you today about spiritual growth as it pertains staying filled and, and well-oiled for God. Ephesians 5.17 tells us to, to be being filled with the Spirit of God. Do not be drunk with wine, words, and excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And that tells us not one time, but all throughout our Christian lives, we need to stay filled. Turn to somebody and tell them, and stay, tell them stay filled up. Come on, say it again, stay filled up. Because what's going to happen is if we get out there, we need to have something to offer somebody. And that comes through our walk with God. In other words, we've talked about the revelation that we are the well. We've talked about the importance that we have, you know, the understanding and the working knowledge of what that empowerment actually is. Aren't you glad he lives in you? We talked about how it's so important for you to stay connected to him because that's where that, that power flow comes from. And we've talked to you about how important it is. What's that fourth part? To be available. Say that I am available for whatever he needs me to do. But here's the problem. If I don't stay connected, I'm going to run dry pretty quickly. And the responsibility to stay connected is, is yours and mine. You know, nobody can do it for you. The pastor can talk about it. The church can encourage you. But you have to make up your mind. You're going to stay connected to him and live in vital union or contact. And as you do, the flow just keeps on flowing. The well just continues to be filled. Uh, not to beat a dead horse, because it certainly isn't a dead horse, but go back to Luke chapter 10 for me, if you would. Your Bible automatic should fly open to Luke 10. And look at this scripture just to, to remind yourself of the importance of, of connection and not just running around doing for God. In verse 38, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Now listen very, very carefully. When you start ordering the Lord around, you're not in a good place. Turn to somebody and tell him he is Lord, and you are not. But see, that's what happens when you disconnect. You take lordship over your life again. You stay connected, he stays Lord in your life. Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. Every time I read this, it reminds me of the Brady Bunch when the football hit uh, Marsha in the face. Marsha, 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 Jan would say. You and I have been alive long enough to know that when somebody calls our name twice, it's, a compliment is not coming. Or if you're raised like me, when someone called all three names, all of your name, your first name, middle name, and last name. In my grandma's case, she called all of our names, sister, brothers, amen, Jamie, Gary, Tammy, until she hit the right one. She would just eventually land on a name, praise the Lord. I uh, can relate to that. Look at somebody and say, Martha, Martha. Watch what happens when you disconnect. Now, Martha opened up her house, but she hadn't opened up her heart. 
Amen. The Lord answered, you're worried and upset. What happens when you disconnect? You're worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is what? Is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. You know, you and I have the, have the ability to choose what we're going to do, to walk in victory, walk in defeat, walk in life, or walk in death. And today you're being admonished to make sure you keep that well filled by divine you know, contact and living contact with God. The Bible says, blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For what will happen? If you have an appetite, he's going to take care of your appetite. He's always going to make sure that you are filled. And we talked a little bit about Elijah the prophet, how he interacted with the prophets of Baal and how he was doing so well. Then all of a sudden he had a spiritual and emotional and a mental collapse. The well ran dry. He turned a different direction than God had told him to go. If it can happen to Elijah, it can happen to you. Let me try that one more time. If it can happen to Elijah, it can happen to you. Well, the well runs dry, and then you're no longer the best version of yourself. You become the worst version of yourself. Matthew 11 tells us in verse 28, Come to him, and you'll have what? You will have what? Rest. Jesus told his disciples in Mark 6, 31, Come away by yourselves with me to a quiet place, and what? Get some rest. That's a huge loaded verse because it says, come away by yourselves, what, with me, and get some rest or restoration. The reason we bring this up is a, is a simple concept called the fundamentals. Now, when you look at a sports field of professionals, football, basketball, baseball, whatever it is, they all have one thing in common. They're not some, uh, you know, especially endowed individual with a supernatural grace, these are people who practiced the fundamentals until they did them better than everybody else. Everybody say the fundamentals. Say it again, say the fundamentals. And to understand this word, you have to understand that it comes from a Latin word, fundamentum, which means, listen to this, foundation. The foundation of all your success spiritually is your personal walk with the Lord. If something is fundamental, it is key or an underlying issue or the foundation. It's, it's the foundation on which everything else is built. So if we look at the health of your well today, if we looked at the condition of your personal walk with God, if we evaluated your personal devotional life, everybody say personal, what would that look like? What would that look like if you were honest about where you were with God today? I'm not talking about where you want to be or where you were at one time, but where you are right now. You know, do you realize how fundamental the health of that relationship is with everything else? Now, we talk about the church as spiritual growth as being a function of, of two rails. A railroad does not run. This is not a monorail thing. This is two rails. There's the rail of corporate worship and involvement and the rail of personal devotion, and you need both of those. But I'll tell you this, what's happened in America in the past year, and past year and a half, COVID did not make Americans anemic spiritually. COVID revealed that Americans are anemic spiritually. COVID didn't make somebody back away from their church life and their personal devotion life. COVID just exposed what was already there. Now, at that moment in time, once you come to that understanding and conviction, you know, that doesn't have to be you. Come on, say it boldly. That's not going to be me. Say it again. That's not me. I refuse to be that way. And so what's happened is, uh, you know, the, the curtain has been pulled back. And we see a very anemic American church. 
It's 50 million miles wide and a millimeter deep. And that's problematic. Because we can't be the well if we ourselves are always in need of spiritual help. Look at somebody again and tell them fundamentals. Foundation to your walk with God. Just real quickly, for those of you here Wednesday, I mentioned these to you, but signs your well is run dry. First of all, there's a lack of results. You're not seeing signs, wonders, miracles. You're not seeing fruit. You're not seeing the fruit of the Spirit. Number two, you've got a prickly demeanor. Look at somebody and say, don't be so prickly. What does that mean? You're, you're more like Martha than Mary. Angry, short, bossy, irritable, worried, anxious, upset. When joy and peace diminish from your life, that's telling you that your personal walk with God is out of order. You know you can come in church and put a smile on your face and get all cleaned up. It looks like everything's great. But you will be prickly if you are, in fact, not right with God personally. Number three, emotion rule. The loudest voice in your life is what you feel. What you feel is never ordained to run your life. Number four, you step out of God's will, and it doesn't take long. All it takes to step out of God's will is one step. You're far more likely to do that when your personal walk with God is not in order. You're compensating with the flesh. Why? Because the power is not there. Your flesh has to kick in to try to help it out. How many understand what we're called to do, we can't do with the flesh? So there's no amount of effort in the flesh you can put to make this thing work, which is one of the reasons why we get burned out. Number five, we compensate with the flesh. Number six, the resurgence of areas of sin and compromise in our lives. These weren't in our lives, and now because we're dry, they're coming back in. Things we gave up, things we walked away, things we turned away from. It can be attitudes, it can be mindsets, it can be thoughts, it can be practices. It can be anything like that, but when you get dry and you're well, these things come back. I was talking to my mom about this very principle, and she just brought up the fact that when the well runs empty, bacteria starts growing at the bottom. And you and I get dry, things start growing in our hearts that don't belong there. But if you stay filled, those things won't survive the power of living water. Can I have an amen today? You don't let that stuff back in. You become disinterested in spiritual things, in spiritual gatherings, in spiritual meetings, in spiritual people, namely the church. So if you want a chicken and egg scenario... The bottom line is our corporate life and how we live out our lives every single day, not just on Sunday, is a reflection of our personal devotional life, not our corporate life. In America, both have taken a beating. All over the nation, we're seeing the same thing reported, church after church, where people are lost, they're out there, they're inconsistent, they're flaky, they don't understand anymore what it's all about to be a Christian according to the Word of God. In fact, in some cases, they don't even know what the Word of God says about these matters. Turn to somebody and tell them, that's not me. Come on, say, that's not me. There are some indicators here that we're in a growth crisis in the American church. And I don't mean numbers, I'm talking about real spiritual vitality. One is simply this in the area of doctrine. Write this down, doctrine means believing right or right believing. How many of you understand if you're a Christian, there are things you can believe that are right, and there are things you could believe that are wrong. And your job is to set aside the things that are wrong and embrace the things that are right, no matter how much social pressure is out there. Can I have a better amen than that? This is a Holy Ghost church. This is a Word church. 
So when something goes crosswise with the word of God, we set it aside. We don't have to be some kind of crusader against something, but you and I should not be walking in that and not compromising so somebody won't attack us or criticize us. What do I mean by that? Our commission, just like Paul told Timothy, is to preach the word. Preach the what? The word. What are we supposed to preach? The word. What's the truth? The word. And yet you'd be amazed how classic, traditional doctrine, according to the word of God, has either been watered down or kicked out of churches all over America. Let me help you out here. A majority of self-identified Christians in the U.S., here's some more of these statistics for you. A majority. Everybody say a majority. When I say a majority, 65, 70, 72, 78 percent of people in this country that call themselves Christians. How many would call yourself a Christian? Let's hear, hey, if you call yourself a Christian, okay? That doesn't mean this is you, but this is the reality in America right now. This is not coming from one researcher. This is coming from a half a dozen researchers in the past 18 months in this nation. The majority of self-identified Christians in the United States no longer believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. What's wrong with that, Pastor? What's wrong with that is there's only one that died for you. That's what's wrong with that. What's wrong with that is it's a lie. What's wrong with that is all gods are not the same. In fact, there's only one true God. There's a living God, and there are forgeries. There are, there are demons behind those false gods. Um, I'm glad you're amen in me. But I am telling you today, I could stand in pulpits all over America, and they would boo me. Here's another one. People are not born inherently sinful. A majority of self-identifying Christians in America now believe that we are not born sinners. Um, one of my least favorite singers in the world is that lady that sings that song when the Humane Society comes on. Sarah McLaughlin? Yeah. She sang a song called Adia. And in the song, there's a lyric there that simply says, he's speaking to this person through the song, we are born innocent. Believe me, Adia. Listen. And we are still innocent. Can I tell you something? You were not born innocent. You were conceived in sin, and you are a sinner until you're saved by grace. And it's stunning that people self-identifying as Christians in this nation would believe such heresy. But that's where we are. Number three, I mentioned this before, there is no such thing as the person of the Holy Spirit. 68% of self-identified Christians don't believe there is a real Holy Spirit. Here's another one. All faiths are of the same value and worth. I'm not talking about Methodists and Presbyterian and Catholic and whatever. I'm talking about all faiths, Muslim, Hindu, Christian, Baha'i, you name it. As I mentioned, these were self-identified Christians. There are no more moral absolutes regarding behavior and conduct and purity. In other words, that's why you see so many Christians shacking up, so-called. That's why you see so many people embracing the radical ideology of, of progressive sexuality and saying that's perfectly okay 
and partly because you don't want to be criticized, you don't want to be canceled yourself. But I can tell you this, it's one thing for the world to say that anything goes. When a majority of self-identified Christians say everything goes, something's seriously wrong. Come on, say it. That's not me. And just because you may have failed in some of these areas does not make you somehow hellbound. But I can tell you this, you can, at least if you do something wrong, you should still have the consciousness it was wrong. The modern Christian doesn't even have the consciousness that it's wrong. How did Paul describe that? Searing of the conscience. This shouldn't surprise you that they no longer believe that the Bible is infallible. These same people would say that it's written or influenced by man. No, men of God were what? Given the utterance as the Holy Spirit carried them along. You see the problem here? If you throw out the word, then anything goes. Last one. You can earn your way to heaven with good works. If my good works column over here is bigger than my bad works over here, then I'm going to go to heaven. Can I tell you this? If your big works, your good works column is this high and you're you're going to hell without Jesus. Oh, by the way, the modern self-identified Christian America does not believe there is a hell. So what's the point of talking about it? Live how you want to, do what you want. At the end, everybody is saved. Everybody goes to heaven. Jesus died for everybody, so therefore everybody goes to heaven. Jesus died for everybody, but not everybody accepts Jesus. That's the important thing. Say, well, that sounds awful judgmental. That's exactly what one of those self-identified Christians would say. They're so quick to throw out that tolerance word and judgmental word. The other day, somebody posted on Facebook blasting people for being judgmental. I just wanted to post myself, did you just hear yourself blast people for being judgmental? Did you not hear yourself being judgmental? This is what's happening in people. They can't see past their nose. Even a fool is thought smart if they shut up. Amen? You can't earn your way to heaven. There's no earning, period. There's either accepting him or not, believing him or not. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son, what? Does not have life. But that's what you believe. No, that's what the Bible teaches. And the majority of self-identified Christians in America no longer believe what the Bible says about these things. Any church with a majority of people believing there are multiple ways to heaven, a pastor needs to resign and go pump gas or flip burgers. Something's not right. Now, at the risk of me pumping gas and flipping burgers, let me see your hand if you actually believe that we should believe what the Bible says. There's one way to heaven. His name is Jesus. Okay, I won't have to pump the gas today. Praise the Lord. <laughs> this may seem as nonsensical to you, but you could do this across the country and you find out there's a very different perspective out there. You value the word of God. That's why you raise your hand boldly and say, I'm not trying to be judgmental or cast a spur on anybody's faith or religion. I'm simply telling you that there's only one way to heaven. There's only one name given among men under heaven by which we what? Must be saved. 
You say, well, that sounds awful judgmental. Listen, God is the one that gave the command, and he can afford to make the rules. I mean, he is, in fact, God. That's all we're saying is stick to him and stick to what his word says. The growth indicator in America that's a problem right now is in the area of doctrine, and it's serious. Amen? I could give you a fancy theological name for each of these concepts, but the bottom line is every one of them basically are in trouble with a self-identified Christian. You know, our job as a church is to make sure people believe and believe right. There's a heaven to gain. There's a hell to shine. Jesus is the only way. Amen. The word of God is infallible. Glory to God. The Holy Trinity is comprised of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Amen. The bottom line is the new birth is real. You got to do more than just do good works. He must be born again, just like Jesus told Nicodemus. Amen. There is a baptism in the Holy Spirit. He is a healer. Glory to God. He will transform your life. Hallelujah. There is a right way. There's a right and wrong way to live according to the word of God. Are you in agreement with that today? Yes. Amen. Y'all sound saved or something. like. Come on, say, I sound saved because I am saved. Come on, say, I sound saved because I am saved. Another indicator is in attendance. The gathering practices of Christians who profess Christ in this nation is at an all-time low. Self-identification may be high still, but the actual demonstration of that is low in terms of gathering and participating in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everybody should be hooked in somewhere. You say, well, that's because we put everything online. That's because of COVID. No, it has nothing to do with COVID. If you understand what growth means and that as a Christian, you've committed yourself to obeying the Lord Jesus Christ who said through the apostle, do not forsake the assembly of yourselves together as is the manner of some. You're in direct defiance of the command of God. If you're sick, if you're working, if you're whatever, that's one thing. But this is not reflecting people who are sick or working. This is reflecting Christians who no longer believe the standard of God's word for them. Look at somebody and tell them it applies to you. Amen. And you should take advantage of whatever God has through your local church. If we're having Wednesday night services, you should take advantage of them. Your kids should be there. If you have Sunday school, you should be there. Where did you get this mentality that all that stuff is not important? You're, you're following down the path of self-identification, but not people with a real relationship with God. Amen. If you're not careful, you fall right off the cliff. And instead of the pastor getting up and agreeing with you, live however you want to, believe whatever you want to, because I don't want to offend you because it's more important for me to have your rear end in the seat than tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth and risk offending you. So that you will know that we are now in a minority in this nation of people who actually say they believe that word and then actually do what that word says. Because the stakes are high. And I don't know what's going to happen to, to church leadership across this country who's been lying to their people. To whom much is given. What? Much is required. And I shudder to think, standing up and telling people there are multiple ways to heaven. There is no hell. There is no Holy Spirit. The Word of God is no longer relevant. Pastor in Nashville last year stood up and held a Bible and said, This is no longer relevant to today's church. What? What are you smoking? You're one of them pastors smoking weed in the back room, amen? 
Dr. Barthes said, he said, he said, a pastor said, yeah, I'm out, I'm back here revelating. And no, you're back here hallucinating because that's not what a man of God does. <laughs> Amen. Third, in benevolence, in giving of yourself for resources, your time. When you don't have time anymore for the things of God, that's a spiritual formation issue. The fundamentals need to be restored to you. Mission means service and souls. Number four, you're involved in sharing. You're involved in serving. You're involved in telling people about the Lord. You're involved in, in helping to get people saved. That's critical to what we do. And when all we just do is show up every once in a while to church as an American Christian and saying, I self-identify with the Lord, and it doesn't have any practical impact on our behavior, something is seriously wrong. Look at somebody say it, not me. And then lifestyle number five. It's doctrine, it's attendance, it's benevolence, it's mission, it's lifestyle. What does that mean? It's living right. Christians live a certain way. And they live differently than the world. Amen. When you have a, a young couple who you know, you know, just blasts Facebook about how much fun they're having on their vacation together, sleeping in the same hotel room, shack it up and then broadcasting it without any shame whatsoever. What is that all about? Well, let's not be judgmental, Pastor. It's not about me being judgmental. It's about what the Word of God says. Let me help you out here. Avoid even the appearance of evil. That's the standard of Scripture. There was a day that a young woman would not be caught dead with their boyfriend on a vacation in a hotel room when they weren't married. Well, Pastor, that's the world. No, according to latest statistics, the feelings and the views on morality mirror the world right now. Amen? Look at some, I say, put a ring on it. You want to shack up, put a ring on it first. You want to shack up, make sure they're of the opposite sex. You want to shack up, make sure that person's not already married. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, Pastor, we, we, we shouldn't have to preach those things. Just preach something. Are you kidding me? The reason that these things are happening is because people have not been preaching these things. Amen. Look at somebody and tell them there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Oh, my goodness. Listen to what the Holy Ghost is saying. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. But listen to what the Spirit of God is telling us today. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, but there is correction. Say it with me. Correction, not condemnation. So what do we do? We focus on growing ourselves and repairing that personal relationship we have with the Lord. It's what I call the five-finger grip on, on your personal growth in terms of personal devotion. So Jimmy's going to give me a hand here. Give him a hand. <clears throat> and uh, how many understand if we want to get a grip on spiritual growth, we have to have a grip. Amen? So I want you to try to pull out of the grip by just giving me one of your fingers, okay? Try to pull. Try to pull. Try to pull. Okay. <laughs> Give me two fingers. Go ahead. 
Now you pull. You pull. Give me a good grip. You're not going anywhere now, are you? No. No, no I got you. Come on, let's finish this up here. Come on up here. No. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Look at somebody and tell them, get a grip. Say, get a grip. The more fingers I have involved in the grip, and some of y'all are doing maybe one thing every once in a while or two things a week, or maybe you stumble on more than that, but you need to be doing all five elements of the personal devotional life if you want to spiritually grow. And I promise you, those self-identified Christians out there, they're not walking in the truth. They don't have a personal walk with God. Look at somebody and tell them, not me. Number one is prayer in all of its various forms. That includes confession and repentance. Why do I do that? Because he can't hear you if your life is filled with sin. The first thing you do is deal with the sin that's in your life. Prayer, confession, and repentance. The second element of your prayer portion of your devotion should be praise, worship, and thanksgiving. Praise him, magnify him, worship him, and thank him. Why should you thank him? Because he's been awful good to you. Raise your hand if you believe he's been good to you. Come on, say, he's been so good to me. You thank him, because you're going to pray in a little bit about some other stuff, but how about stopping to thank him first for the things he's already done? So confession and repentance, praise, worship, and thanksgiving. Number three, supplication and intercession. You are suffocating. You are asking God for things. You're also petitioning things in the high court of heaven based on the word of God. And you're interceding, meaning that you're praying for other people in other circumstances. All part of that prayer component of the devotional life. Number four, praying in the spirit according to Romans chapter 8. If you don't know how to pray, the Bible says as we ought to, but the spirit does what? actually prays through us. He gives us the utterance and we speak it out. And the beautiful thing about praying in tongues is everything you pray comes to pass. Everything you pray lines up with the word of God. Everything you pray is consistent with the heart and the will of God. They say, well, somebody told me that's passed away. They don't have the authority to tell you it passed away. You get your little darling self back in the word of God and read Acts chapter 2, 8, 9, 10, and 19. Let the Bible speak for itself. And also, you'll find out you need it more today than you've ever needed it. And I'll tell you this, the big dose of the Holy Ghost will transform your attitude and your life like you can't believe. So don't reject what God has said because some religious teacher told you it's passed away. Nobody has the authority to tell you that they have passed away because the gifts have not passed away. Thank God. Everybody say prayer. Everybody say prayer. Is that good? Yes, but that alone is not going to grow you spiritually. Number two is the Bible. Yes, that Bible that we believe is the inherent and infallible Word of God. Say it, I believe. Say it, I believe. That means Bible reading. I'm often asked about how, how to approach the Bible, what kind of plan. I give my simple Bible reading plan. Everybody say 5111. Come on, say it again. Say 5111. Five Psalms, one proverb, five, uh, one chapter in the New Testament, one chapter in the Old Testament. Say it with me. 5111. Five Psalms, one Proverb, one New Testament, one Old Testament. You'll cover a lot of ground. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by, by the Word of God. There needs to be prayer and there needs to be time in the Word of God. Studying, listening to God. What is He saying to you? Let Him speak to you. Number three is devotional of some kind. Whether it's Oswald Chambers, utmost for science, or 
Brother Copeland's Faith to Faith or, or uh, the Kruger famous one on miracles, amen. Jack, you have copies of that, don't you? Yes, she does. What am I saying? I'm saying is the input from other faith people who have received revelation from God, look up those things, look up those scriptures, and make that part of your devotional life. Say it with me, prayer, Bible, a devotional. And a lot of these things, of course, are online. We just have no excuse for not using them. Just gotten out of the habit sometimes of doing what we need to do. Number four is the practice of the ancients did called journaling. Well, it's a Hope Harbor notebook or a leather-bound book, writing down every day your thoughts, your prayers, what God has shown you from the Word of God. These disciplines actually put you in a position to grow. Everybody say, grow. See, you're not growing just because you came here today. You're growing based on what you do daily. And there needs to be daily prayer, daily time in the Word of God, daily time in terms of journaling, daily time in terms of reading that devotional. Amen. I've got a devotional that looks like a truck ran over it. And it's not because it flew off the top of my car. Literally, it's just, it's just broken and cracked. And, and me and duct tape, we don't get along. But I have duct tape on that book to hold it together because it becomes real precious to me because not only am I you know, reading what's there, I'm making notes over the years and going back and seeing what God spoke to me and how he either challenged, corrected, or encouraged through what it actually says. I tell you, it's important for you to do that. And then number four, that journaling concept, your prayers, your thoughts, your revelation, the mandates from the Lord. When he tells you to do something, it's a lot easier, it's a lot harder to forget what he told you to do when you write it down. Amen. Dear Jonah, go to Nineveh, love God. You open up a week later and guess what? It still says, dear Jonah, go to Nineveh, love God. A month later, dear Jonah, I have not changed my mind, go to Nineveh. When you write these things down. And number five, listen to some faith teaching one to two messages a day. I don't got time for that. You got time to watch 10 episodes on Netflix? You do what you're hungry for. You make time for what's important to you. And the resources are there. There are literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of messages on our website. Everything that Keith Moore is available, there's no charge to it. You can find these ministries all over the world. You can find stuff that's for free. If you want some stuff specifically placed on a thumb drive, we'll give you the thumb drive and we'll have it pulled down from our resources for you to grow. But you can just simply pop it in as you're in the car, in the beginning of the day, at the end of the day, and listen because faith comes by. By hearing. And I'm telling you, don't just listen to anything. Don't listen to something that's going to poison your spirit. Don't you listen to something where one, you know, Keith Moore is talking about God's will is healing. And you turn around and listen to somebody who tells you that God put that on you to teach you something. Don't listen to one message that talks about the power of the spirit and the things of God and the use of tongues. And then, you know, listen to a secessionist that told you these things have passed away. Listen to people that are going to teach you the Word of God without compromise. And they're out there. Say it with me. Five finger devotion. I'm getting a grip on spiritual growth. You may say, well, Pastor, I've been praying. Isn't that good enough? No. I've been reading the Bible. Is that good enough? No. Do all five, and I will promise you this. You will grow at a rate you've never grown in your entire life. How many want to grow like you've never grown before? That's not done on Sunday morning. That's done daily in your own time with him. That's how you grow. And that's also how we repair the damage of the so-called self-identified Christian who no longer believes the word of God. 
Amen. Say it with me. Just say it boldly. Prayer. Prayer. Bible reading. Devotional. Devotional. Journaling. Faith teaching. teaching. Five finger. Devotion. 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 Come on, say it one more time. Prayer. Prayer. Bible reading. reading. Devotional. Devotional. Journaling. Journaling. Faith teaching. teaching. Amen. And what will happen? You're going to grow like you've never grown before. Amen. Now, what I want to do is emphasize this to you today, uh, you know, how to approach your devotions. You've made a decision today. Everybody say today. <laughs> That's the great thing about being in the, in the household of faith. Even if you weren't doing something when you came in, you can walk out and make up a decision that you're going to do it. That's all this is for. This is about beating anybody down or discouraging somebody. It's just to tell you, you know, if, if something slipped in your life, just pick it up again. Look at somebody and say, eh, just pick it up again. Come on and tell them, say, eh, just pick it up again. There's no sense in going around beating yourself up, how bad you are, how terrible you are, now I didn't do these things, blah, blah, blah. Just skip all that stuff. Skip all the drama. And just go straight back into your devotional life. Because what's happened is not only have people during COVID not done their devotion, they've not been in church like they should, and it's showing. Look at somebody and say, the flesh is really showing in the church. Amen. And I can't stand before God one day and and answer as to why these things weren't addressed. When the standing order is to preach the word, Paul added to preach the truth and love. Why would a pastor preach these things if he didn't care? I'll tell you, the, the pastor who doesn't love you is the one that lies to you. the one that pacifies your flesh in fear of offending you. That's not real love. It may, it may pass the worldly love sniff test, but it is not eternal love. It's not the God kind of love. Because a real heart would want you to grow and develop and have the most exciting days of your life. You see what I'm saying to you is we're, we're called to be the miracle capital of the world. We're called to see what our part is in this end time harvest and the flow of the Spirit of God, the miraculous of this third great awakening, but how's that going to happen if the people in the house of God aren't even having devotions? Not going to happen. I look at somebody and then say, he just told you it's not condemnation. It's correction. And Keith Moore said, correction is good. Let's all say it together. Correction is good. Let's say it again. Correction is good. Not condemnation. But you do this for a few weeks and you say, you know what, I think my pastor's on to something there. <laughs> Hallelujah. The five ways you need to approach your devotions every single day. Add to the five-finger grip on spiritual growth. Write this down, number one, privately. Just like Jesus, get away by yourself. Amen. And seek the face of God. What does that mean? It doesn't mean you have the television blaring and the dog barking and trying to do 15 things at once. Devotions are not designed for you to multitask through them. Your focus should be on him and completely on him. And that means couples, you know, uh, make sure that you are sensitive enough to know that each person in that marriage and that family needs that time. And where you do that is completely up to you. 
These facilities are always open. Even if you want to come at an odd time, you just let us know. They're here. How do you understand? These are being paid for whether you're in here or not. They're here physically whether you know it or not. There are all kinds of places to pray, all kinds of places to seek God. No, we don't have a grotto out in the back where you crawl into a little hole in a cave and pray. But I'm just saying God can hear you right here in the auditorium like you could in a cave somewhere or in a side room or a classroom, whatever the case may be. Privately, get away by yourself just like the Lord. Everybody say privately. Because if you don't make the quality decision to do this, you're going to get interrupted. Something, something's going to happen or you're going to cross somebody or something and you're going to get distracted. Number two, relationally. Don't you dare do this out of duty. Do it out of relationship. Not out of religion, but out of a sense of I want to get to know him more. I want to walk with God. Do it privately. Do it relationally. Number three, do it consistently. That means regularly, and by regularly, what I mean is unbroken consistency or daily. Find time every day. You may have to think through what that looks like for you, what, what best scenario that is for you. That's okay. It's going to be different for different people. If you're a single mom with one or two small uh, kids, it's going to be difficult, obviously. If you're even married with a couple of little kids, you're going to have to find that special time and place where you can. Carve it out. Everything else you're doing, it's not that it's not important, it's that it's not as important. And can I tell you something? You're going to be a lot better mama if you're doing your devotion. You're going to be a lot better daddy if you're doing your devotions. You're going to be a lot better employee if you're doing your devotions. You're going to be a lot better believer if you're doing your devotions. Amen. It's just too quiet in here. (laughs) Say it, I'm going to be better doing devotions than not doing them. And I don't care who it is. You know, that's from, uh, you know, the most powerful man of God, woman of God in the land and the world to every person who just got saved last week. That's how it is. If you stop doing it, you stop growing, you stop being you know, a person of influence and power in the things of God. Number four, expectantly. You go before that devotion expecting to hear from God and expecting this to produce results in, in your heart and life. You're expecting fruit. You're just not going through the motions. You're just not spending time. You're expecting God to do something. That's one of the reasons why you want to have a journal out and let him talk to you and speak to you. Say it with me. He's talking to me. If you believe God is talking to you, how many know that's probably up to the level of something you should preserve? Let me try that one more time. If God was talking to you, Right? Unless we have perfect photogenic memories, you know, completely never forget anything. We should probably record what he said to us and meditate on that. Expect that. Number five, protectively. What you want to do is guard that time as the most precious appointment you have. Amen? How many here, when you go to the doctor, you have to have an appointment? How many know that you're there on time, but you don't get in on time? Huh? In life, you make an appointment. This is what you literally need to do, except with this caveat, there's nothing more important you're going to do all day long than the time that you have with him. I'm too busy. I got this. I got that. You are functioning, you know, with an empty spirit, and sooner or later, it's going to catch up to you. Come on, say it with me. It's not condemnation. It's correction. And correction is what? It's good. So you protect that. 
Well, what if something fun comes that I want to do? Did you just hear yourself? Your fun is more important than your time with God? How about do your fun when you're not walking with God? Amen? Take the time some other time. It may take you a little bit to think through the implications of this message, but I'm just trying to help you because I don't want you to be part of the majority of Christians or so-called Christians in this nation who no longer walk in the things of God with honor and truth. I want you to be the real deal. Come on, say it, I'm the real deal. I'm not one of them. I refuse to be one of them. So I've got my five-finger grip on my spiritual growth. Amen? What do I have? Okay, now, that should not have been hard. That that really should have been easy, so let's try this again. What's the first one? What's the second one? What's the third one? What's the fourth one? What's the fifth one? Notice I said faith teaching, not doubt, fear, and unbelief teaching. Let's try this one more time. I want you all to shout out. Okay, ready? You do these things and you will grow exceedingly. You're about to have the best season of your entire Christian life. We didn't emphasize these things enough sometimes, and sometimes we just let them slip. But you know what? You can get back to the fastest mode of growth you've ever known in your entire life. And if you have questions about these things, like, hey, pastor, what's a good devotional? Hey, what's the best practice for journaling? Hey, you know, what, what can the church help me out with putting some faith materials in my hand? Those of you that have asked us know that we'll do it. We'll just fill up that thumb drive and give it to you and let you pray, play that thing until it wears out. Hallelujah. People are listening to me carefully. People that listen to a couple messages a day. First of all, it's totally countercultural because in the modern church, you just go to church for an hour or a week and you check off the box and go about your business. But the person that understands what I'm saying listens on purpose to a couple of messages a day. And they can literally feel themselves growing as they do it. That day, their outlook is different. Their perspective is different. Their joy level is different. They're not going to wait until a pastor on Sunday morning. It doesn't offend me if you have 15 different favorites during the week. Because I know what's going to happen. You're going to be filled like a well. And you absolutely are going to make a huge difference in this world. Hallelujah. When the world tries to squeeze you, nothing but faith is going to come out. Faith, victory, and power. Hallelujah. One more time. Amen. So complicated, isn't it? No, it's the fundamentals. Right? In baseball, it's the hitting and the catching and the running. In basketball, it's the shooting and the passing. Amen. In football, it's the throwing and the catching and the kicking and the running and the hitting. All these professionals did was master the fundamentals. You master these five elements and you're going to be very, very successful as a believer. So how do I approach it? Just to to kind of wind it all up for you privately, relationally, consistently, expectantly, and protectively. There's only one person that can do this for you, and that's who? That's you. Say it with me. It starts with me. It ends with me. It's all about me. 
Come on, shout out again. It's not condemnation. It's just correction. And correction is good. You know why? Because one day you're not going to wake up being one of those people that have thrown the word of God away to unite yourself with this world. The Bible says friendship with this world is enmity with God or hostility with God. Let's stand and give him a big old hand clap and praise offering. Can we do that?